This is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man of... That really worked that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Well, hello. Good morning. Happy Friday. Neither Brock nor Salk are here. Sorry to disappoint, but uh, Ryan Roland-Smith is here, and I'm here. Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland-Smith with you. With his four-shot latte. Yeah. How are you feeling? You were a little tired, a little groggy. I was. Rolling in here uh, at the crack of not even dawn, but you kind of waking up, you settling in, or do you need a nap? I'm good. I'm good now that um, you... You know, delivered my latte just the way I like it. Perfect. <laughs> A plus. Right temperature. Everything. Four Thank shots. You. Four shots. That'll What's wrong with that? You have a that's real a problem l- with that, don't you? Four that's shots. a lot. That just seems like a an insane amount of espresso. That's only is one that like the extra. parents? Is that the parent style? Like you need that to just roll yourself <laughs> up so. out of the dogged tiredness of being a parent? But I, yeah, potentially. I had I had uh, Kennedy Science Night at her elementary school last night. It was a late one. Had okay. to re... Because my wife was organizing the whole thing, right? Not because she works at the school, because she just wanted to have a massive science night. There was 40 different people bringing in their- Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, from, from you know, University of Washington, the, the, some you know, STEM program. You had people from all over the place, from like salmon hatcheries, wildlife, the whole bit. But there's old mate over here reshuffling. Amanda had taken photos of how the classrooms looked. <laughs> All the mess, so I had to go and move, you know, tables around, and I'm, I'm a little groggy, but hey, I'm, like I said, you, you delivered the the latte it was perfect. I appreciate that, Mike. Okay, I didn't Very realize good. you worked so hard, so I apologize. Oh, it yeah. Sounds like you worked hard last night. So I did. good for you. I did. All right, now he's in here. We have a lot of Mariners stuff to get to. Just heard from Jerry Depoto a little bit earlier. The Mariners have their first spring training game today. At 12 o'clock, it's a 12-10 first pitch. You can hear it here live on our airwaves on Seattle Sports and on our app and on seattlesports.com. Pretty much anywhere that you listen to baseball, you can hear it. So before they take the field, we've been talking for so long, and I know we'll continue to do so, leading up to opening day, and because this is what we do for most of the early part of the season about the Mariners' offseason, about their young guys, and about how this team could look building on a historic 2022 season. So some guys that uh, Jerry Depoto just mentioned, Evan White, Jared Kelnick, uh, a couple of others. Which one of these guys, or is there something that to you jumps out as, we don't know about this yet, but it could have the potential biggest impact on the Mariners 2023 season? Well, I think the biggest gap, and you mentioned the offseason, everyone was, every fan, especially even us, you come out of... You know, you, you, the playoff drought, we all know about that. Cal Rowley hitting the home run. So much excitement heading into um, into the offseason about, okay, this is our time. The Mariners were quiet this offseason. There's no denying that. And and the narrative was always, look, we have our young players. This is our core group. This is what we're going to roll with. And this is how it's going to look in 2023. So I think Jared Kelnick in left field, what he can bring to the table. We've heard, you know, um, Jerry DePolo, when he was talking to, to Mike Salk earlier on in the week, talking about you know, his swing, the, the changes in his swing. But listen, we've heard this. We heard this last year. If you go back to last spring training, we heard about the personal hitting mentor or coach in Mark McGuire and all this stuff. Again, you want to see this play out the right way for Jared Kelnick. You want to see it put into practice when April rolls around. 
I don't want to sit here in the month of March and hear about all this, you know, great stuff that Jared's done in the off season. Yes, he's made some changes in his swing. He's gone down to California. He got out of his out of the hitting facility in his backyard. All these good things. When the lights come on in in April, who are we going to get? The the I don't think we're going to get the version when he first came up, and there's so much anticipation about this uber prospect and he's going to be have this hall of fame career but somewhere in the middle that's the biggest question mark i think for especially with some of these young players so it's all mental right for jerry i think it's all in his head Uh, well absolutely and look don't get me wrong when you go off and and when you do things physically yeah when you when you for me when i when i when that for me, it was that it was that slider, especially with two strikes, right? And I'm just I'm pinpointing a few, a few things. When I get that reaction from a hitter where he misses that pitch by a good two feet, then that turns into a mental boost, so to speak, right? So, yes, it's mental. You have to in an off season when you're in a batting cage, maybe a couple simulated games facing one of your teammates, and you get that good swing off, you get that a swing off, and you, the ball responds off your bat. That's great. But you have to be able to do that consistently if you're going to play every single day, and that's what then snowballs mentally. So I think for Jared Kelnick, man, he's been through a lot. And I'm not you know, saying you know, poor kid or anything like that last couple of years, but when you go back, he, he's been through this, this big expectation, these massive failures. There's a lot riding on his shoulders, and now all of a sudden he's kind of being, here you go, here's left field for you. What do you got? What are we going to see from Jared Kelnick? That, that to me is going to be the biggest question mark. It's something I want to throw out to the Mac and Jack's text line as well. 866-979-3776. And at 930, we're going to put the phone lines and take your calls on this topic. And maybe if you have anything else related to uh, baseball for Ryan Roland Smith. But uh, at 930 and right now, which unknown? Uh, maybe it's a young guy. Maybe it's something that we haven't seen yet. Which unknown could have the potential biggest impact on the Mariners in 2023? That's what we kind of want to hear from you today as well. 866-979-3776. For me, outside of Jared Kelnick, I think it's Evan White. That is the great white whale of this guy can be something extraordinary because we saw it. Defensively, we saw it in 2020. And he just hasn't stayed healthy. His bat wasn't great. It hasn't been good. But if he's healthy, what can he provide? And Jerry DePoto mentioned that when saying, well, he used a term here that really caught me by surprise. Evan played a fair bit of outfield in college at the University of Kentucky. He actually played the outfield for Team USA um, prior to, to his draft year. So it's it's not foreign to him. He's such a good athlete. And right now, he's actually been one of the most eye-raising players in camp to this point. His you know, Evan looks 100% healthy. He checks out in the in the training room as 100% healthy. We know the the dynamic of of what his defense does on our infield, and you know what we're seeing right now in his athletic explosiveness and the batter's box. You know, there's still so much left to be told in, in Evan's story. All right, look, I get it. On one hand. What are coaches going to say? What's a general manager or a president of baseball person going to say? It's that joke of, yeah, I showed up in the best shape of my life or mm-hmm. every coach before the season starts in any sport. Really excited about our team this year. You know, we, we have the team that's going to win the championship. So I get that Jerry DePoto is not going to come on and say, well, Evan White's been a giant disappointment and we don't know what to get out of him. But when he says eye raising, 
that's more than just the standard. You know, we're really optimistic about what Evan can provide. Do you read into that at all and think maybe Evan White could have a significant impact somewhere on this team? Well, you know, look, and you make a great point. First of all, the optimism is flowing in spring training right now. I don't care what team you're with. You could be with the Cincinnati Reds. You're like, oh, hey, I really like our team. We could really surprise some people. It's day one, right? Like Robbie Ray's taking the mound today. Oh, I can't wait to see he's split. You know, we're, we're, that new pitch he's thrown. All these little things that the, 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 the story changes in four weeks. I, I get that. Now, Evan White, the couple of things here with, with what they talked about and in, in getting some reps in the outfield. His biggest asset when we saw him in the big leagues after he signed a multi year deal with never stepping foot above double A, which was surprising. And going back to your point, Mike, and you make a great one, when you're at front office and you hand a kid a multi year deal that's never played above a, one of the minor league, lower minor league levels, of course you get it's going to be glass half full. Mm-hmm. Of course. But his biggest asset, the, 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 the most fun thing to watch out of Evan White was his. Defense at first base. Now, again, everyone talks about, well, if if you slide a player over to first base, that means there's a a defensive liability. But no, no, no. He added a ton of value. Batter's box, he did not add value. He had still yet to be seen any kind of asset offensively, what he can do. I think for Evan White, and again, we're in an optimistic time. Spring training. He's in front of the gym. He's in front of the, the, the coaching staff, and he's in front of the fans. He's got to go to AAA. He's got to earn his way back to the big leagues offensively. I don't care defensively. You know what? He's a first baseman. That's his big asset. Sure, he may be able to run some balls down. In we've we've got outfielders, right? Off uh, defensively, big asset at first base. He really is. If he can go back a couple of years, but he's got to w- prove his way. He's got to earn his way out of AAA. He's got to go hit, and then he's got to get to the big leagues and prove he can do it on an everyday basis. For him not to be, back to your point, where it's a situation, hey, this has been a little bit of a disappointment. And I'm not saying they just gave him a ton of money, what, crazy amounts of money. It was a very team-friendly deal. But when you have that on your shoulders, then I think that you have to produce. He still has – there's still months of carving that out in AAA. All right, more on this coming up at 8.30, including another young guy who we're optimistic about that could have an impact on the Mariners. But uh, we have a lot more to get to. Joe Fan joins us at 7.30. Up next, though, sounds like Russell Wilson is definitely never coming back to the Seahawks, but could one former Seahawk return? You'll find that out next. It's the Brock and Salk Show. Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland-Smith in on Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Bobby Wagner is a free agent once again. Now the move won't be official until March 15th when the league year begins, but multiple NFL reporters broke the news yesterday that the Rams will part ways with Wagner after the first season what was initially a five-year, $50 million deal. Now John Schneider comes on every Thursday with Wyman and Bob, and because the news happened a couple hours before, they asked him about it. Turns out uh, the Seahawks GM can't exactly comment yet, just yet. Obviously an amazing <laughs> player, icon. Hall of Famer, all that. Uh, he's not officially released yet, so uh, oh. he's not on the waivers. So uh, congratulations to whoever scooped that. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's technically still on their roster, and uh, so we won't be able to speak to his agent for a minute or two, which is actually himself. So. Yeah, tampering charges aside, we didn't want to throw that there on the Seahawks, but. 
I, I think you've dealt with this, right? Whether it's baseball, or football, or any sports, with a franchise icon, a guy who's so beloved in a city, and then he's available again. It might not make sense from a team perspective, but I'm sure that nostalgia to bring a popular guy back looms large. Yeah, you got to be careful with that, though. You know, it's one of these things that, hey, look, you know, bringing someone back. I think he's in a different situation than say. You know, like an Albert Pujols going back to the Cardinals, even though he was pretty productive. That was more of a, hey, look, last year you're retiring. I think if there's some value there and you can bring him back, team-friendly deal, you know, why not? That makes sense. Yeah. Here's the second thing you need to know. A lot of Mariners notes here, including the first spring training game today against the Padres. You can hear it live on Seattle Sports starting at noon. First pitch at 1210. We have a lineup out. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'll break it down for you. People. So I made the mistake before once I, I, you know, a lineup had come out and I read just kind of one notable thing and people were like, well, what about the rest of the lineup? I was like, oh, you want me to read every position? So, okay. Shannon Dreyer and a number of Mariners reporters tweeted out the, the Mariners lineup. Colton Wong leading off. That's been a big topic of discussion. Colton or Julio. So it's Colton Wong leading off. Julio batting second. Ty France. Teoscar Hernandez. Eugenio Suarez. Jared Kelnick playing in left and batting right there. Tom Murphy catching. J.P. Crawford, shortstop. And then I was like, oh, Mike Ford. Mike Ford's back, huh? Yeah. He's, he uh, he's DHing and batting uh, ninth. Welcome back, Mike Ford. Yeah. You and Robbie Ray pitching. Let's go, Mike. I must have slipped under the radar. I'm sure yeah. it happened. No, Signed him, sign him to a uh, minor league deal, brought him back. But you can't read too much into this lineup, obviously, day one. I'm reading. A, I'm going to read into it, right? No, let's, let's read into <laughs> I'm it. I'm going to make every observation <laughs> and impression. <laughs> I just tweeted that out. I'm like, hey, let's do it. There it is. Colton Wong, bat lead off the whole season. Do, do you like who, who do you like in the leadoff spot, Wong or Julio Rodriguez? What do you think? Yes. I would like a consistent threat in the in the leadoff spot that, isn't, that. that isn't Julio. So I don't know if it's Colton Wong. You don't want Julio no, in the leadoff spot? Why is that? Because he is their best hitter, so he needs to be driving people in. But you want some at bats too. I, I, yeah, but are one and two that different? I know towards no. the towards the end of a game, you know, in that ninth inning and extra innings, it can become a big deal. But it's something that uh, we kind of have dove into in the afternoon show. You need guys on base to maximize what he can do. And even when you get to the bottom of the lineup, and if guys are not getting on base, you know that could be a, that could be a struggle if he came up in the leadoff spot and people aren't getting on base in front of him. For sure, but that leadoff spot has kind of changed a little bit. You know, the other thing to look at here with Julio Rodriguez, and not to dive into this too much, are they going to let him run the same amount as last year? The power numbers were down early in the year, so they let him be a little bit more dynamic and run. But when you are trying to, and again, this is not me saying this, I'm kind of against this, but front offices value more of the injury prevention. So are they going to shut him down from running? I hope not. Hopefully some big, you know, some extra inches on those bases let him well, run. Yeah, we can talk about that at 8.30. We're going to really dive into the rules and some things we learned yesterday that could have a big impact on the game. And, and look, smarter baseball minds than myself have decided that Julio batting leadoff works. I mean, Jerry, Justin, and Scott Service all have come out and spoken about why they like batting Julio leadoff. So I'll defer to them just from my perspective. Hey, it might be good to bat him second or third every once in a while. Here's the third thing you need to know. Big head of sports in Seattle last night. The Kraken and the Bruins had a thrilling back and forth game. Morris smiling right now because the Bruins scored two goals in the final four minutes to pull ahead and win six to five. But man, that was entertaining. Lead changes, shorthanded goals, pretty much everything you could ask for in a hockey game. High caliber stuff right there. Uh, if that's playoff level hockey for the Kraken, that could bow well for them toward the rest of the season. And also a devastating, heartbreaking loss. For your beloved Seattle Sea Dragons, who lost on a last-second field goal to the St. Louis Battlehawks, 
Seattle now 0-2 on the year. Yeah, Mike, you and I were talking about the show, talking about what latte I needed in the morning. You were going through the details, and you say, hey, turn the cracking game on because I just got back from my daughter's science night. Turned it on. Within seconds, the Bruins scored that sixth goal. I was I was heartbroken. I was only watching for a couple of seconds. And by the way, the, one of the, the, the funnest games I watched in person for the Kraken was the game. I'm trying to remember exactly the details, but they lost it right there at the end. It was kind of a, a you know, pr- pretty, uh, it was a self-inflicted little error there. So every, I feel like every time I flick it on, man, it's, it's bad things are happening. And then the, the Dragons. Yeah. Welcome back. Sea, sea Dragons now. Sea Dragons. Yeah, a little Excuse slight me. variation. I will mm-hmm. say this. Look, I'm not paying a whole lot of attention, and maybe I will because we talked about this earlier. The XFL, the dra- the, the Sea Dragons got a chance to, to kick it back off. COVID happened. And we are talking about this earlier. All those guys who had a professional career, the, the, the light was still on in, uh, for that career, all of a sudden got shut down. So it's good to see them back. Good to see some guys getting some, some reps. For sure. Yeah. Trying to keep that career going. That is uh, everything you need to know as we have now a lineup to talk about. And I kind of joked about overreaction and, and, you know, one lineup in a situation that is in February because you have a a longer portion of spring training when these guys leave for the World Baseball Classic. But it is exciting, right, to have a tangible lineup out there to dissect, to discuss and kind of get you closer to the start of real baseball. Yeah, and I think, too, the leadoff spot is an interesting one because it does come down to, believe it or not, guys have some say in players have some say in this. Over, Obviously, the front office come in and say, listen, this is how we want to construct the lineup. But if you have a player like Julio Rodriguez who says, I love leading off, and then all of a sudden you have Colton Wong, well, you know, I've played for a long time, and this is where I'm going to be the most productive. It makes for an interesting conversation about how that plays out. I, lo- I love Julio in that leadoff spot. I really do. Obviously, I think the power numbers are going to be even more so than what we saw last year. He got off to a slow start. But um, so I think maybe he's more productive, you know, a little bit further down in the lineup. But it makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah. Let's not forget day one of spring training. Uh, day, game one of spring training, yes. excuse me. Don't read too much into it, but how are they going to play this out? You yeah. don't want guys flip-flopping all the time. We either. will we'll get some more insight. Joe Fan's going to join us next. He's written some good articles uh, about the Mariners pitching, their rotation, uh, the bullpen battles that will shake out uh, over the rest of spring training. And we'll get his thoughts on this lineup, maybe even uh, on some situations happening with Russell Wilson. There's a, there's a report out there from The Athletic, you know, a lot of anonymous sources that Russell Wilson supposedly wanted – Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired. To that, I say, well, yeah, obviously things weren't good here. They traded him. But we'll ask Joe about that as well. He joins us next here. It's uh, Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland Smith filling in on Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710 and Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Mike Lefko, Ryan Roland Smith with you. We'll have Joe Fan joining us in uh, just a second. We're diving even more into the the lineup the first lineup's out for the Mariners so you can't help yourself man it's day one we're already diving into the lineup yeah it's, I mean it's morning one it's February what 24 ooh I didn't even know what day it was it's February 24th. man yeah, yeah. It, it really gets you there it, it sneaks up on you so we'll talk to, uh, to Joe about that when he joins us and he wrote some good articles about the, uh, the Mariners rotation uh, the Mariners bullpen kind of battle which is interesting because you, you don't really kind of dive too much into the weeds about thinking hey who is going to be who are, who are going to be the guys that kind of make it? Who are going to be the, the young arms that we've heard so much about that don't 
um, make it that are that are left off a little bit. So when Joe joins us here, we will uh, we'll get to him as well. It sounds like he is with us. So you know what, Ryan, I'm going to stop talking and uh, welcome in Joe Fan. Joe, how's it going this morning? So Ryan Roland Smith is here with us. So I figured we talk a lot of baseball today. I love it. Thanks uh, for having me, guys. Good to chat with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait for baseball to get going. First day or first game of the spring uh, today and. I'm just ready to get to opening day, but certainly the next month will be fun as well. Well, Joe, so uh, we the lineup just came out because the game starts at 12:10. So the first lineup is out, and Ryan and I were joking about how all right, let's dive in and overanalyze the very first lineup of spring training here on February 24th, when you have more than a month until the season begins. But there was one aspect that we were talking about as it relates to Julio. Julio had, you know, he had hit leadoff for most of the year last year. He did very well there. There's that big discussion about where he should hit. First lineup has Colton Wong batting leadoff, Julio batting second. Where do you think Julio should hit this season? He can hit wherever Scott Service decides he wants to hit him. Uh, I don't think you can make a wrong decision. You know, I think it all makes sense. And that's what happens when you have a player as talented, as all-world talented as Julio. You know, it makes sense to bat him leadoff. Well, now you have a more traditional leadoff hitter that you didn't have last year. Okay, well, maybe put him in a, a run-producing uh, role, you know, as opposed to a table setter role. And so, yeah, I think hit him lead off, hit him second. I- I'm not going to lose sleep over any of it. I-, I just, you know, I think this is going to be a cool year for him where I think he has a legitimate shot at winning MVP. He's, he's that, he's that good. And his ceiling is that high. Joe, you mentioned the, I'm looking at this article right now. You're looking at the Mariners being a top five rotation. Why don't you dive into that? I mean, there, there's some s- tough competition Around you know, obviously around baseball with some really good rotations. In your mind, what do you think makes this rotation uh, candidate be a top five? Yeah, I think it's both like just quality across the board, but also upside that you know, you know, you, I think even status quo from what happened last year, it's top ten. You know, you get a full year of Luis Castillo, full year of George Kirby, Logan Gilbert was a borderline all star. Uh, Robbie Ray, while, yeah, he wasn't his sort of Cy Young self, he was still, you know, really solid if he's your number four starter. But you look at specifically, you know, getting a full year of Luis Castillo and then the upside still that I think, you know, Logan Gilbert and and George Kirby still have that I think not a lot of rotations boast that, you know, that ceiling that isn't yet reached. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really curious. I think one of the big X factors of this team is going to be Logan Gilbert. You know, is he, does he sort of settle into where he's that dependable middle of the rotation starter, which he's already shown to be. And, and that's great because he's going to make a lot of money over the course of his career being just as good as he already is. But how does the splitter play into it? How does, how does another off season of work and, and ML, another season of MLB experience you know, help him progress to where we see more of Walter than Logan Gilbert this year. I think, you know, that's one of my biggest questions about the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at uh, looking back and, and seeing that Logan Gilbert was number two in the rotation behind Luis Castillo in terms of war. Joe, in this article as well, when you, when you broke down the rotation, you listed the, uh, well, as you put it, the curious case of Chris Flexen, which it is because he doesn't really fit right now in these one through five because it seems like Marco Gonzalez will be kind of penciled in as that number five guy. But what do you do with an arm like Chris Flexen, who is probably not your top of the back end of the bullpen? You have great guys that out there that could close games. You have this rotation. But do you waste an arm like that by keeping him maybe not pitching for stretches at a time? Where, where do you put Chris Flexen and what do you do with him if all goes according to plan and the rotation stays healthy? 
Well, that's that's the issue is because you have so many power arms in the bullpen. You know, you've got guys like, you know, Prelander Barroa, who's been, you know, one of the stories of, of spring training so far over the first couple of weeks. I know it's super early, but, you know, does he eventually force himself onto the roster? Does Bryce Miller eventually force himself onto the roster? I mean, at some point, Chris Flexen is the odd man out of that numbers game. And, you know, I, maybe you keep him over Penn Murphy, but you're not keeping him over, you know, Diego Castillo probably or wh- whoever you want to name out of that bullpen. And so, yeah, when you're looking at your 13-man pitching staff, um, how long can you keep your sort of insurance arm on the roster? And it'd be a, it'd be a huge shame to see him go. So I think they're going to do everything they can to keep him on their roster you know, from the jump because you do need depth. You do need insurance. The Mariners were insanely lucky last year to not have a single starter miss their turn in the rotation even once all year. You're not likely to have that injury luck again this year. So having him is such a benefit. But, again, when it's at the, at the cost of keeping really talented power arms in your bullpen, it makes it a challenge. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's going to be one of, one of Seattle's harder roster decisions um, because of, of how deep they are. And, you know, that's, that's a champagne problem. Not many teams get to have the luxury of that tough decision. So, ultimately, it's a good thing. But, but yeah, Chris Flexen, he's been better than Marco Gonzalez last two years. It would be really hard to say, hey, you know, best of luck. But but we're not keeping you around this year, Joe. You make a great point, man. I mean, the Mariners last year, the fact that they, yeah, you know, obviously outside of Matt Brash and, and the emergence of George Kirby, I mean, they got so much. You know, so, they were so lucky with avoiding the injuries. Hey, I just want to go back to Robbie Ray, and you mentioned with him, and and even you know Logan Gilbert as well, starting to throw a split. You and throwing a new pitch. And for for those who haven't kept up with what's been happening, we've figured out that a couple of these guys are trying to you know mix in. You know, different changes speed changes changes of speeds. Robbie Ray in particular, when you watched him in twenty obviously from twenty twenty one, Cy Young Award winner, twenty twenty two and what you saw last year, do you think the difference for him to get back to twenty twenty one, you mentioned some of the inconsistencies. Do you think it's gonna be that change of speeds, that that the, adding that split? Or or is there something else you see that he has to upgrade from last year to get him over that hump well, to get him back to where he was in twenty twenty one? I think one other off-speed pitch can certainly help, especially if you can locate it. Um, but, yeah, Robbie Ray was interesting because for all of the strikeouts uh, that he posted, and he was one among the, the leaders in all of baseball, you know, he had these outings where when he didn't have it, he didn't have it. And it was hard contact after hard contact after hard contact. And so, you know, I don't know if he's tipping his pitches, you know, I don't know if the Astros just have exactly what his cadence is in terms of, of you know, feeling like they know what's coming. And I don't mean that in like a cheating Astros way. I mean that in like a, they just figured him out. Because it, it, it was so weird that for as dominant as he could be, what the floor looked like. Um, and, and so I don't know if that's, you know, you certainly would be more the expert there than I would be. And I don't want to pretend to be, but. You know, I think it might be a limited arsenal of pitches that, you know, if it's not there, it's not there. There's nothing else he can go to. Um, but also location where, you know, if, if that fastball is it's a straight fastball, yeah, there's some velocity to it. And, yeah, it's, it can be a strikeout pitch. But, you know, you, you saw how far it could go the other way on a number of occasions. So, you know, I think Robbie Ray is interesting. And with, you know, him coming off of a Cy Young year and getting the big contract, expectations were much higher. But, again, even if Robbie Ray stays status quo and is a you know one and a half, you know maybe even two win player 
you can get away with that as your number four starter as long as he's healthy and eating innings. Um, and, and for the most part, he's a really good job. He does a really good job of battling through, uh, you know, days when he doesn't have it, even though the loud contact seems to come regularly. So, yeah, I'm really interested to see how he bounces back. It seems like, you know, he's in a great headspace uh, following last year. And, and we'll see how these new pitches impact everybody. Logan Gilbert, uh, Robbie Ray, and Marco Gonzalez, who, who told Jen Euler just sort of casually in that interview that got dropped on social media this week that, you know, he was adding a, a slider to his arsenal. Yeah, man, it's a lot of unknowns there. And, and speaking of that, Joe, this is something that we've been asking our listeners. Wanted to get your, your take on this. Is there an unknown for you, a potential uncertainty so far, whether it's a player or a situation that could have the biggest impact on the Mariners in 2023? We're throwing out things like Evan White, Jared Kelnick. But for you, do you have one potential unknown that could really affect this season? Yeah, I think Jared Kelnick's the biggest. I think it's sort of a cop-out. Not a cop-out because it's the obvious answer. So I will say that off the top and I'll give you another answer. I think Evan White's also a really good one. I just don't think there's space for him on the roster breaking camp. So I think he's going to have to start in AAA and just prove he can continue to hit consistently. Um, but certainly a nice injury insurance piece when given his position versatility, as long as he can stay healthy. For me, it's Tom Murphy. I think he's going to be the opening day DH, given they didn't really address that position. It's going to be sort of a DH by committee. I think they'd like to get Ty France more ABs there, Eugenio Suarez more ABs there, maybe Teoscar Hernandez more ABs, ABs there. You've got um, A.J. Pollock as well. But I do think Tom Murphy, they're banking on him hitting like he did at the beginning of last year. And he was on a pace to set career highs. And granted, it was a really small sample size. And so I think that sort of makes me nervous given what they're hoping to get out of him. But, yeah, I think if the Mariners are going to take a huge step forward uh, lineup-wise, run scoring-wise, I think they are hoping that Tom Murphy will be a huge reason why. And so – um, if we're talking about players that maybe fans aren't super keen on or, or like keyed on this, this spring and thinking of, okay, well, what, what are they going to look like and how does that figure into the season? I think Tom Murphy is the one that we should all probably be talking a bit more about because to me it feels like the organization internally is talking a lot about him. Joe, hey, listen, we've talked a lot about some of the rule changes and, and especially with the shift. You mentioned a couple of names, you know, Jared Kelnick and, and it got, you know, Evan White, some of these players. You hear, I feel like you hear, you know, even Jerry DePoto and some of these coaches say, oh, well, they're going to benefit from the shift or, oh, this is a player that, you know, the shift really got him. It's going to be different 2023. What are your thoughts on that, man? Do you, do you feel like that's just, you know, a little bit, I'm not going to say using your word, a cop out, but do you, do you feel like it's going to have that big of an impact on some of these hitters? You know, I think there's going to be some sort of benefit, even if it's just mentally, you know, where if you come to the batter's box and you see, you know, the shortstop on the right side of second base, the second baseman playing shallow right field, and you're saying, if I square one up, there's nowhere to hit it. And I, mean, I just remember watching every at-bat of Kyle Seeger thinking, oh, he hit that on the button. Oh, and that's, that's got to be a base hit. But there's always somebody there, and you're thinking, how on earth do you beat the shift? And everyone's, well, just, just hit it the other way. You know, and it's so much easier said than done. And so I do think there's going to be a benefit, and I think there are a couple Mariners that – um, that, that hopefully will, will kind of reap the rewards of that. And I think you also look at what it does to your defensive infield. And it puts more pressure on JP to be great on the left side of the infield. It puts more pressure on Colton Wong to be great on the right side of the infield. And uh, my friend is uh, Jeff Levering, Brewers play-by-play guy. And I talked to him recently for a story for Seattle Sports. And, and he was like, you know what, you know, I think A – 
Colton Wong will bounce back from his poor defensive year last year, as Colton Wong has said he expects to and is working every day with Perry Hill to do so. But also, you know, I think his range is going, this is him speaking, I think his range is going to shine because, you know, second basemen are going to get, second basemen are going to get exposed this year, not having the, the loaded right side of the infield against lefties to where now they're going to have to, you know, be able to showcase that lateral ability much more, and Colton Wong could be a, among the best of them. Well, yeah, that article you mentioned, Joe, uh, great stuff. A Colton Wong profile on seattlesports.com. Joe covers the Mariners and Seahawks very well for us on our website. So check out those articles. He has a piece up on the rotation and this bullpen competition as well. Joe, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, cheers, guys. Appreciate you. Enjoy the first game of spring. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, that was uh, Joe Fan joining us this morning. And now, Ryan, right now they usually do something with Brock called Blue 88 where they ask him three football questions. And we were kind of thinking, hey, how can we do this with Ryan Roland Smith? No offense. Football, I don't, I don't think you can, do you can answer really uh, as well. And we're not talking about Aussie rules football. We were talking about real football. So we decided to do what? Is that your, that's your thing, right? Aussie rules football? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> well, we just of a segment they used to do back yeah. in 2011. They have a modified story, yes. thought might be fitting here. Salt kind of. So here we go. Here is a yeah. revised version of Blue 88. Now, Brock and Salk present This Ain't Cricket. This Ain't Cricket. Wait, are you serious? That's what this is called? This uh, Ain't Cricket. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. So I don't know what that was or what it is, but it's great. And it's, like uh, it. it's a segue to you, Ryan Old Smith here, talking uh, three baseball questions to start this Mariner spring training season. You asked it to Joe. We're also going to talk about it in depth at 830. But which new rule will be the toughest to enforce this year? It's going to be how you discipline these feet on the clay with the shift. Yeah. We heard a lot about this, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more. What Raul Abanez, who now works for Major League Baseball, and he's been a big you know, part of the, these rule changes, everything else. The shift, what you're going to see is there's going to be a little bit of this where players are trying to get that extra step, whatever it is, positioning. It's going to be interesting. I, th- I think that's the one thing that's it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. The other one, that, and real quick on this, is players manipulating the pitch clock, saying timeout, I've got to tie my shoe up, or a manager saying timeout, they've got to do something, just to give them that extra breath. It's going to be interesting how heavily they enforce that. Are they going to let them, though? If, well, they, it, if they say timeout, I need to tie my shoe, the umpire might just say no. Yeah, right? I think it's going to be the umpire's discretion, which I yeah. like that. You've got to have some human element. We're losing more and more of the human element. If the umpire can sort of dictate those terms, if you're one of these dudes who's like, oh, hold on, I've got to tie my shoe again. It's like, what are you, four years old? You don't know how to tie your shoe up? Let's go. Why do these shoelaces keep coming undone? If you've done it four times, all right, listen up. But I think the umpire's going to kind of dictate that terms. But you're going to see some manipulation, 100 I'm looking forward to seeing, I would say around June, teams are going to figure out analytically how they can kind of manipulate the shift. We're going to see some 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 funky little things, I think. Yeah, Raul Abanya said, uh, he, he said he thinks it's what? It took about a month when they worked on this in the minors for pitchers to acclimate to the pitch clock and all of those rules. And then you're right. I'm curious to see how teams counter those. Once they realize, okay, this is how they're going to be enforced. Okay, well now how do we uh, work backwards and circumnavigate these rules to get an advantage? So uh, that's opening a whole can of worms. And we'll kind of dive into more of the nuance of that at 830 with that, with the pitch clock uh, and with everything else. But uh, another question here for you. I like this music, by the way. I think this should be the... 
the music of choice for Blue 88 moving forward. Noted. Noted, yeah. So this is just... This ain't cricket, By the way, buddy. we are getting Aussie Rules football questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, we are. Okay. Can we fit <laughs> them in here? They want to know if you think the magpies are going to be any good. <laughs> there we go. From the 509. They're going to be any good again, Ryan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so the magpies are like the, the, the bad boys of the league, by the way. They are. Like, even the fans. Like, you, you, yeah. go, you go into that... I'm not going to say in that building. It's not... Honestly, it's not very impressive where they play. <laughs> But it's hostile. It is. Now, I'm not a big AFL guy. I grew up in a rugby town. But I do know the magpies, mate. You don't, you don't mess with those magpies, let me tell you. So, is AFL, like, frowned upon for you rugby people? Is that why you gave me the look when I brought that up? I put it this way. I was just always like, Aussie rules football, whatever. It's not, you know, if you want to play a real sport, they call it football codes. Like so, the-, the latte people play <laughs> AFL. That, that's what I thought. And then I actually went to the- <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right. Pickleball. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, we can dive into that. I was, I, by the way, every time I bring up pickleball, there's so many people who play it, and there's probably so many listeners who actually enjoy playing some pickleball that I don't want to offend people because, yeah, it's an easy target for you, Mike, when I can just rip you on, on playing pickleball. Tell but, you what, though, anything you say will offend someone. Someone will get true. mad at you for anything That's you true. say. That's and true. And they'll think you're dumb for anything you say. So don't worry. There yeah. are people already mad or people will agree with you. There's all, you always win, you always lose on here. That's that's the beauty of it. All right, I did say I get to a couple more questions. Yep. So how about this for a, a surprising player that could make the opening day roster, whether that's a pitcher or whether that's a position player? I think on the position player side, let's not forget you the World Baseball Classic right in the middle of spring training. More outfielders are going to get some more reps because Julio's not there and Teoscar Hernandez. Cade Marlowe, listen, Jared Kelnick does not have that left field you know, tied up. I'm telling you right now. If he goes into this and all of a sudden we see the same swing decisions as we saw a year ago, you might sneakily see a little Cade Marlowe action mm. push in and go, you know what, a Taylor Trammell from a couple of years ago if there's a few injuries or there's an opening there. Number one, on the pitching side, I'll be real quick with this, and we might talk about this kid later. I'm telling you, when Jerry DePoto brings up a name when it's not asked about, you know that he's on the radar, Bryce Miller. We've heard that name a few times, and we'll get to him a little bit more on the show. Actually, yeah, at 8 o'clock coming at, up. At 8 o'clock. That's I'm, a good tease. There I'm go. looking forward to talking about him, but it's funny. He, Jerry will get asked something about someone else, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he'll somehow bring up another name. Like, oh, he's on the radar. <laughs> so he's another guy that could be a surprise too. It's like, hey, how's the weather down there, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, it's looking great, just like Bryce Miller. Exactly. Well, that's it. That's how it is. It's interesting. Oh, okay. All right. He's, he's, on, the, he's on the top of the whiteboard there in that office for sure. All right. So last year, and it was a little different because of the lockout that had put a freeze on any negotiation and and moves, but last year during spring training, a major trade happened. That's when the Mariners brought over Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker. Does a major move or does any trade happen this year in spring training, or is this roster pretty much set from now until opening day? Yeah, and you're you talking specifically with the Seattle Mariners. With the right? Mariners. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean think, yeah, I know baseball's happening, but we care about the Mariners here. Yeah, for sure. I think obviously last year with the CBA and, and not being able, the Mariners were really at a disadvantage because what happened was the CBA, they said, all right, it's, the, the, the lockout's over, spring training's in five days. All these big free agents who were still out there said, you know what, I'm just going where the money's at. I'm going to the, the shore bet, the Mets, the Yant, whatever. And so the Mariners are kind of like, oh, we can't do any of our recruiting for some mm-hmm. of these big free agents. And then they got they got clever and, and made, pulled off that trade. Yeah, Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker is no longer here. But I, I don't see anything that drastic. Uh, unless, unless all of a sudden you're looking at this going, man, this is our big window and we have lost a couple of players via injury or performance. All right, now we have to start because it's going to cost you a lot more this year than it did last year. More on Justin. Are you looking at the text line? 
I'm stunned. I'm fascinated that there is there's a lot of interest on the Mac and Jack sex line about For, your rugby interest. Yeah, rugby. Um, Andrew and Elma wants to know: Do you prefer rugby league or rugby union? Great question. Now, <laughs> here in the United States, in the continental yeah. United and States, please explain those for us. Do not understand the difference between rugby league and rugby union. I'll keep it simple, right? I'll keep it really simple. Oh, you got him going, Andrew and Elma. Jeez. Yeah. Th- thank you. We Andrew. do not have much time, but no, uh, real quick, please go 15 okay. minutes on R- this. Rugby yeah. union. When you're watching, it's just a continual game. There's no set number of tackles. You know, like in the NFL, you have the, the four downs. It's mm-hmm. essentially like that. In a stra- in uh, rugby league, you have you have six. So on the fifth tackle, you don't want to get tackled, just like you don't on the fourth down, right? You don't want to. You have to. You have to punt, essentially. That's the biggest difference. Now there are other differences, but I'm a more of a rugby league guy. Parramatta Eels was my team as a kid. But I grew up in Newcastle. Andrew Johns, Joey Johns, the best player in the game Whoa. ever from Newcastle. King Street, 1996, Grand Final. Wow. Boom. Throwing some references at you. Another right. thing that you guys want to know about. Uh-oh. I found out that our, our dads have like a mutual friend in Australia. It's a former yes. surfer there. And you want to know that that Ryan's dad is kind of infamous down there for training surfers. He's known as the Sandhill Warrior. That's right. The Sandhill Sand Warrior. Oh, I want to yeah. watch that movie. Hold on. Wow. <laughs> wait, wait. Is this true? So I was looking to your Wikipedia page one oh, day. Oh, God. Please don't. Yeah. Go. Which and I wrote the whole thing. You wrote the whole thing. It's okay. It's true then. I'm joking. As Michael Scott says in The Office, you're, you know you're going to get the best possible source of, of, of information on the internet because anyone can add to it. So on there, it says that your sister is like a great surfer. She was. Incredibly yes. good surfer. Surfing yeah. was a big part of our yeah. family. Now, my dad, he was heavily involved with the Parramatta Eels. He was the strength yeah. coach for the Parramatta Eels. Mm-hmm. And then he got into surfing. And uh, that's how Maura and I have a mutual wow. acquaintance okay. in Australia. And all of a sudden... Yeah, all, all the stuff that seems very embarrassing when I'm talking about the Sandhill Warrior, but I'm telling you, there's a Sandhill Palm Beach on the northern beaches of Sydney that my dad will take Kelly Slater, who the best is the Michael Jordan of surfing, down to, you know, teenage young surfers, prospects, so to speak, rugby teams. He takes them up that Sandhill and he breaks them. It's hard. Wow. Trust wow. me. I was a professional athlete two Man. years into my professional career, and dad's like, oh, yeah, come hit the Sandhills with these young high school rowers. Big mistake. Seventeen-year-olds <laughs> who are you know rollers are in good shape. I'm coming over. I'm yeah. You know, I've got to lose a couple pounds. I've had. I've got a little comfortable in that eating too much American food. No offense. <laughs> I got killed, and they're like, "Oh, he's a professional athlete, isn't he?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm struggling <laughs> just eating sand." But now the sand will worry. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the bullpen battle coming up, but I kind of want to just talk about that more. Man, just get some. Can we get your dad to call in, get some stories about that. Uh, just you know, you, some training stories. You think I can talk and ruin some of these breaks and the timing of this show? <laughs> get him on the show if you want to. Absolutely. All right. Maybe the up. next time you fill in. But uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the intriguing bullpen battles that will play out for the Mariners over the course of the next month. It's uh, not Brock and Salk, as you might have figured out. It's Mike Lefko and Ryan Roland-Smith here on the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.